The Hamlet Podcast, episode 52. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Macbeth with me, your host, Connor Hanmersey. It seems like a lot more than a week since we began Act 4, Scene 3, perhaps because in that time I travelled to Elsinore and back. More on that in the bonus episode that I put out a few days ago. I'm firmly back in Ireland, and within Macbeth we are still in England, as Malcolm and Macduff size each other up to determine if there's any trust between them. Malcolm has made it clear that he'll need to be convinced that Macduff isn't just here on Macbeth's orders. Macduff has, after all, escaped Macbeth's worst excesses and hasn't been attacked by him. Yet. Macduff is eager to get things moving and get fighting for Scotland. His responses are terse and direct compared with Malcolm's ponderous challenges. Macduff has just lamented that he has lost his hopes. And Malcolm now responds, perchance even there where I did find my doubts. Malcolm balances Macduff's line with a neat antithesis. Macduff has lost his hopes, and Malcolm has found his doubts in this Scotland ruled by Macbeth. Now Malcolm continues with another approach. Why in that rawness left you wife and child? those precious motives, those strong knots of love without leave-taking. I pray you, let not my jealousies be your dishonours, but mine own safeties. You may be rightly just, whatever I shall think. Malcolm, no more than the rest of us, wants to know why on earth Macduff left his wife and children behind. Worse, why he did so, without even saying goodbye or taking his leave. Malcolm quite rightly describes Macduff's family as precious motives. They are something worth fighting for, but also worth protecting. They are strong knots of love. Why would Macduff sever these bonds so easily? Macduff has done so for the good of the country, for this suffering Scotland that needs to be rescued, there's a full foot missing from Malcolm's line of verse here, and I reckon there's room for quite a look of outrage from Macduff that the young man is even asking him this question. Malcolm gets as far as leave-taking, Macduff responds without words, and then Malcolm changes tactic. He apologises for asking such things, hoping that Macduff won't be insulted or feel dishonoured by his having to be so cautious or jealous. Malcolm's jealousies are his suspicions, and he hopes that Macduff can understand that he's being this suspicious for his own safety more than anything else. The suspicion is that Macduff is working for Macbeth, and Malcolm ends with a little sting, saying, You may be rightly just whatever I shall think. You might be good, despite whatever I think of you. Macduff, earnest and forthright, is disgusted. He says, Bleed bleed, poor country. Great tyranny, lay thou thy basis sure, for goodness dare not check thee. Wear thou thy wrongs, the title is afeard. Fare thee well, Lord, I would not be the villain that thou thinkst for the whole space that's in the tyrant's grasp, and the rich east to boot. Poor Scotland will have to continue bleeding and suffering then, 
Macduff addresses Macbeth as great tyranny. The word has crept in over the past couple of mentions, but Macbeth is now synonymous with tyranny. Macduff says he can lay his basis sure, he can continue building on whatever foundations he's already laid, since goodness, aka Malcolm, won't dare challenge him. Macbeth can profit from his wrongs, since nobody is coming for him. Again, we have a little clothing image here, since Macduff says he can wear his wrongs. A feared is another legal term, implying confirmation. Macduff's point is that there will be no challenge to curb or check Macbeth's power, since Malcolm seems so non-committal, and so Macbeth can rest easy and enjoy his ill-gotten status. Macduff now seems ready to turn around and go home. He says fare thee well to Malcolm, and insists that he wouldn't be the villain Malcolm takes him for, for all of Scotland, the whole space that's now in the tyrant's grasp, or indeed for all the riches of Asia either. I love that Macduff ends with to boot here. It's something that's still quite common in spoken English, and means in addition or furthermore. Macduff is sufficiently upset that Malcolm has to change his tune again. He replies, Be not offended. I speak not as in absolute fear of you. I think our country sinks beneath the yoke. It weeps, it bleeds, and each new day a gash is added to her wounds. I think withal, there would be hands uplifted in my right. And here from gracious England have I offer of goodly thousands. But for all this, when I shall tread upon the tyrant's head, or wear it on my sword, yet my poor country shall have more vices than it had before, more suffer and more sundry ways than ever by him that shall succeed. It's a little late to be telling Macduff not to be offended, but Malcolm persists. He explains that he doesn't mistrust or fear Macduff absolutely. He agrees that Scotland is suffering under Macbeth's rule, sinking beneath the yoke like a tired animal labouring for a cruel master. It weeps, it bleeds. Scotland bleeding is a real theme for these two men, and every day a new wound is being added. Malcolm now starts to entice Macduff, saying that he thinks that people would be willing to fight for him and support his claim to the throne. I think with all there would be hands uplifted in my right. And now he gives Macduff the news that King Edward in England has offered to supply thousands of soldiers to fight for the cause. Here from gracious England have I offer of goodly thousands. The tyrannical bloodletting of Macbeth is juxtaposed with gracious and goodly English support, as perhaps only an English playwright would write it. But for all this... Malcolm doesn't seem too happy. He rather weirdly explains that even when he vanquishes Macbeth, trampling on his head, no less, or impaling it on his sword, even then Scotland will still have to suffer, and indeed suffer with more problems and in more sundry ways than ever before, thanks to the man who will succeed Macbeth. But for all this... When I shall tread upon the tyrant's head, or wear it on my sword, yet my poor country shall have more vices than it had before, more suffer and more sundry ways than ever by him that shall succeed. 
This seems a bizarre thing to be saying. Macduff is rightly confused and asks, what should he be? Who is Malcolm talking about, this successor who might be more troublesome than Macbeth? Malcolm replies that he means himself. It is myself, I mean, in whom I know all the particulars of vice so grafted that, when they shall be opened, black Macbeth will seem as pure as snow, and the poor state esteem him as a lamb being compared with my confineless harms. Malcolm very curiously insists that he is worse than Macbeth. He maintains that he's so attached to vice, it's grafted so deeply and totally to his being, that should his wickedness be discovered, Macbeth, black and evil Macbeth, will seem as white as snow by comparison. Black has been synonymous with evil throughout the play so far, and this passage continues this image. Malcolm continues that Scotland, the poor state, will consider Macbeth to have been a lamb, also a white creature, when compared with his endless evils. It is myself, I mean, in whom I know all the particulars of vice so grafted that when they shall be opened, black Macbeth will seem as pure as snow, and the poor state esteem him as a lamb being compared with my confineless harms. Macduff isn't convinced, and he insists that not in the legions of horrid hell can come a devil more damned in evils to top Macbeth. Nowhere in all the legions of demons that populate the vast expanse of horrible hell is there a devil more damned in evil than Macbeth. Macduff really does see the world in quite an absolute way. I don't quite want to say that he's seeing it in black and white, but perhaps that's appropriate for him. Macbeth is the worst, and nobody on earth or in hell is worse than he is. Malcolm, for his own calculated reasons, is insisting that he actually is worse than Macbeth, and we'll hear more of his strange self-analysis in next week's episode. In the meantime, if you just can't get enough, do be sure to have a listen to the Elsinore episode recorded in part in Denmark at the very castle where Shakespeare chose to set Hamlet. I had a beautiful time there and I hope you'll enjoy the little travelogue I put together. It is, I hope, a fitting end to the entire journey of the Hamlet portion of this podcast, but rest assured there's plenty more Macbeth to come. Who knows? I might get as far as Dunsinane or Schoon before we reach the end of the play together. For now, happy listening, and I'll speak to you next time.